today, Rinpoche explained that the Madhyamika Prasangika view holds that all things carry no form of intrinsic existence whatsoever, neither conventionally nor ultimately. Any view that holds that there is even the minute form of intrinsic existence is not the final view of the Buddha and is not correct valid cognition related to the nature of reality. <clears throat> so welcome everyone to the Chen Rezig Tibetan Buddhist Center. Uh, once again, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. We're in the third section of the text, um, which is the, the most difficult section of all of this text. And it's considered um, by all the great scholars as one of the most difficult but most important sections of any text ever written. Uh, they, the, the union of calm, abiding, and insight. Um, they call it the, the great insight section. Uh, when you hear scholars refer to it, they, they refer to it as the great Hlatong Chemo. Um, uh, so just the great special insight section. Um, so right now, mostly we're with giving brief, Rimche is giving brief explanation, but most primarily giving a transmission of this section. Um, so... Uh, we are on 257, and um, so when we look at all of Lord Buddha's teachings and we try to categorize them, we can see that they can fall into three major headings. Uh, and those headings are called the teachings for beings of three capacities. So the, the teachings of Lord Buddha are called the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, the Kongjur. Um, and the authentic Indian commentaries are commentaries that were given by the Nalanda masters and so forth um, directly about the pronouncements of Lord Buddha. So uh, if we were to look at all of the texts, we have um, a hundred of Lord Buddha's texts behind me. There were pronouncements of Lord Buddha, direct speech, and then there's 213 authentic Indian commentaries, uh, so making for a total of 313 uh, texts. So we can see um, that there's an, a large amount of information, but we can categorize every bit of information in all of those texts into three, and they're called the, the teachings for beings of three capacities. So the first category are teachings for beings of small capacity, or they're called the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity. These are teachings for practitioners who wish to achieve higher realm rebirth in their next lives. These practices include going for refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, engaging in ethical behavior that abandons the ten non-virtuous activities, and acknowledging negativity when one engages in it. Independent upon those practices, he or she will achieve higher realm rebirth. The next category are teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity. These are for practitioners who wish to achieve their own individual nirvana, individual liberation. And by practicing the three highest higher trainings of ethics, concentration, and wisdom, this practitioner is able to achieve nirvana for him or herself. 
although they are in nirvana, they haven't completed um, the stages in order to become Buddhas. They are in nirvana, but they still have the imprints of the afflictions, and those are removed by practicing the teachings for beings of great capacity. This practitioner engages in all of the teachings that are in common, small and medium, and then couples that with the generation of bodhicitta and then the engagement of the six perfections, the actual physical engagement of those. And in dependence upon those practices, the pra this practitioner is able to remove those imprints, the obstructions to omniscience, and achieve complete Buddhahood. Uh, so this is how all of the teachings are broken down into three major categories, and those categories uh, depend, and the practices depend upon what the practitioner wishes for his or her outcome. Um, so that's how he or she would decide on what set of teachings to engage in, because the, each of those produce specific results. Digsum. Dalla Momolu Junki, Shiri Governess, Tede, Shesu, De, the Gonson Laws to be Samaji, Ranga Seniji, to be Tangayan, Maruba, Sombander, Consul, Zebayino, Rangi, Jetter, Tatar, Shesu, Nashebe, Dubayela, Ankaji, Chijin, Kaji, Chijin. Nedunju Tisha,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,谢谢,
työntäjy lutuki. Lutuki työmaatu boa. Boa boa. Jai kemo hajantara. Madu madu nangos. Tela raji. Raji mebatai. Raji mebatao mane kunki. Kanzaki da yabatanta. Raji tenji. Trovi yaba ni sosur. Sheba mezite. Yaba kan. Yaba kanin la. Kanji. Kanji. Jabi. Deba tamba. Tara. Raji ngoyu trubi. Ngoyu trubi. Yabi chaba. Zibi shero. Ti neji. Raji meba. Raji meba lao. Mebi chaba. Zone. Raji ji. Tumbala chundi jijatu murunga. Murunga on shi madu guwa ino. Yabudu, yabudu dikha. Okay. All right, so again, 257, yes, 257 we will begin and... She read to 705. Okay. On these points, Chandrakirti cites a proof text by Nagarjuna, the protector. If sensory perception and so forth, if sensory perception and so forth, this supporting citation states that the four direction, direct inferential, scriptural, and uh, analogical uh, valid cognitions, uh, sensory perception and so forth, do not at all establish an object that exists by way of its own characteristic. So if we look at all of the ways that um, you can present a valid perception, whether it's inferential or direct, um, you, don't f you can't find intrinsic existence anywhere um, when, when using a valid cognition to, to apprehend an object. This, um, so the meaning of therefore since is that when both the opponents of essential or intrinsic existence and the essentialist posit visible form as a subject of a syllogism, non-mistaken perception does not establish it as appearing in common to both parties in the debate. Therefore, since there is no valid cognition attesting to a subject that is proven to appear in common for both systems, there will inevitably be a fault in any position that you try to prove to an opponent using autonomous reason. What you say is true in regard objection. What you say is true in regard to a position that has no essential or intrinsic character, intrinsic nature, even conventionally. However, since this is not what we do who follow Baba Vega, assert at the conventional level the subjects in such in autonomous syllogisms do exist. Therefore, the position is free from fallacy. Reply, the existence of an intrinsic nature in is, in, is inadmissible conventionally. So just as a, a note, the middle way, the Madhyamika um, Tantrika, the middle way autonomy school, does posit intrinsic existence conventionally or true established this true establishment conventionally. So that's what it's negating here is the lower uh, Madhyamika school. Um, and Baba Vega is a holder of that view. 
the, the author of Blaze of Reasoning. The existence of such an intrinsic nature is inadmissible conventionally. Since we have already explained this above and will explain it again below, your answer is unreasonable. The example cited is inappropriate. Chandrakirti's clear word states, the example, i.e. the syllogism proving the impermanence of sound, is also inappropriate. Whereas in this example, neither party wants to qualify the general sense of sound or the general sense of impermanence. Here in the case of the syllogism proving that the eye is not ultimately produced, the advocates of emptiness and advocates of non-emptiness do not both accept that I, as a generality, exists only conventionally nor do they accept, both accept that it exists ultimately. That is why the example is inappropriate. Do not misread this passage to say that the example fails because an eye that is neither true nor false does not exist, but there does exist a sound that is neither evolved from the elements nor a quality of space, as well as a sound that is neither produced nor a causal manifestation of something that already exists, and that there does exist something that is impermanent in a general sense, yet neither re relies on causes nor fails to rely on causes. For one, those, i.e. sound, that is neither evolved nor a quality of space, etc., are things that neither of those two parties accept, and if they were to accept such things, no one could ever demonstrate that the analogy fails. Well then, what does this passage mean? In the system of both part of the parties, in the example, it is impossible to ascertain the existence of sound. Unspecified as to whether it is sound that is evolved from the elements or sound that is a quality of space. But in the systems of the advocates of emptiness of intrinsic existence and the opponents of emptiness of intrinsic existence, there is no such thing as an eye or or a form as a generality that is established by a valid cognition that is neither a non-mistaken consciousness nor a mistaken consciousness. Its being established by a mistaken consciousness is not established for the opponent and the prasangika madhyamika proponent's valid cognition does not establish it being found by a non-mistaken consciousness. Hence the analogy fails. This is the meaning of that passage. The word non-mistaken generally refers to the equipoise that directly perceives the ultimate truth. But here it must refer both to a perceptual valid cognition that is non-mistaken with respect to an intrinsically characterized appearing object and to an inferential valid cognition that is non-mistaken with respect to its intrinsic intrinsically characterized conceived object. Since there is since there are no such valid cognitions that establish the, th the three criteria, the subject cannot be an object that is found by a non-mistaken consciousness. 29, just real quickly, that's important. So the three criteria of a correct sign. So this is how you recognize, so if you say, uh, the, the, the subject red is a color because of being suitable to be shown as hue. Um, so in order, um, so the sign itself, um, is suitable to be sh shown as a hue, fits these three criteria. So it's a proper sign to show that, 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 uh, that it's a color. Um, so the three criteria the sulsum of a correct sign in Buddhist logic. A correct reason must meet these three criteria. The presence of the reason in the subject or its bearing on the subject, 
This is the minor premise of a syllogism. Of the two types of pervasion, the forward pervasion is the major premise, and the counter pervasion is a contrapo- is its contrapositive, which corresponds to a minor presence premise. The forward pervasion which corresponds to the major premise and the reverse pervasion which corresponds to the uh, contrapositive of the major premise. So um, these are the three criteria that a correct sign have to have. Um, So anyway, uh, now I have to find out where I was. Here the term intrinsic character is not used as the logicians use it, simply to mean something that performs a function. Instead, as previously explained, it refers to something's own intrinsic nature, which any functioning thing or non-functioning thing is believed to have. That is why the advocates of intrinsic nature claim that even an inference that compounds a non-thing is not mistaken regarding a conceived object that has such an intrinsic nature. Every consciousness that is non-mistaken with respect Uh, to its appearing objects and conceived objects and respect to such an intrinsic nature must also be non-mistaken with respect to its appearing objects and conceived objects and since this makes such a consciousness non-mistaken with respect to ultimate reality itself our own system does not hold that such a valid cognition establishes the subject etc. However we do not deny that there are in the mind streams of both parties conventional valid cognitions that perceive things like eyes and forms. In fact, even in the mind stream of the opponent, the forms, etc., that are elicited by sensory consciousnesses that are unimpaired in the sense previously explained are ascertained simply as existing and there is no rational fault in regard to the object of such knowledge. To explain this in greater detail, we can say that there are three ways of apprehending the existence of for instance, a seedling. One, apprehending a seedling as truly existing, which means apprehending it as having an essential or intrinsic nature. Two, apprehending it as existing in a false way, which is the apprehension that seedlings lack essential existence but exist like an illusion. And three, apprehending it as a merely existing in general without specifying whether it is true or false. You might also apprehend the seedling as permanent or impermanent, etc. But since there is no apprehension that does not involve one of these three ways of apprehending, there is no need to explain those other ways here. Living things who have not developed within their mind streams the view that knows the absence of intrinsic nature possess the third and first modes of apprehension, that is, the apprehension of mere existence and the apprehension of true existence, but they lack the apprehension of things as like essenceless illusions. It is completely wrong to claim that before living beings find the view that phenomena are like illusions, any conception they have of something as existing is a conception of true existence. This is something that I have already explained above in the section that discusses conventional valid cognition and in the section in which I differentiate the four, intrinsic existence, lack of intrinsic existence, existence, and non-existence. Suppose that this were not the case. That, That is, suppose that those who have not yet understood the view that there is no intrinsic nature did apprehend something as truly existent whenever they thought of a conventional thing there would ensue a complete logical breakdown of the need for Madhyamikas to accept 
conventionally, the objects that are posited by the world, world's ordinary conventional consciousness. In as, insofar as those consciousnesses are not affected by the previously explained circumstances that cause error. Therefore, since there would be no way to distinguish the ontological status of conventional objects from the ontological status of a putative divine creator, this erroneous view must be a great impediment into understanding the meaning of the Madhyama, Madhyamaka. There are many who share indications of having misunderstood emptiness in this way. They initially engage in many virtuous activities that require conceptual thought, but later when they systemize the philosophical view that they have found, they see all of their previous activities as grasping at signs and thus as abiding them to as binding them to cyclic existence. They reflect those virtuous activities were taught for those who have not found the definite view. Developing such an understanding, they repudiate the teaching in many ways with this misconception that regards all conceptual thought as faulty, in the sense they resemble the Chinese abbot Hashan, before they find the view that lacks the view that things lack intrinsic nature, it is impossible for them to distinguish between mere existence and existence by way of intrinsic character. This is because, as indicated in the passage from Chandrakirti's commentary on the 400 stanzas cited above, they think that anything that exists must exist essentially. As a result of this, they take everything that exists everything that lacks intrinsic nature to be non-existent, making it impossible for them to posit cause and effect for that which is empty of intrinsic nature. There are many who argue in this way. Uh, okay. The wrong, wrong Chessie, <coughs> <coughs> Rajimetuja Rangi Tanya
Then Ruba Yina Tere Be Gaba Gaba Nibi Sher Rujiji Tama Morongo Rujiji Tama Morongo Kalejo Yabudu. Okay. I just want to get the start at stopping point now, so just bear with me. I was trying to figure out a section of it when we were going, so I let's try 707. Right there to number two. just uh, reread this section. There are many who show indications of having misunderstood emptiness in this way. They initially engage in many virtuous activities that require conceptual thought, but later when they systemize the philosophical view they have found, they see all their previous activities are grasping at signs and thus binding them to cyclic existence. They reflect. Those virtuous activities were taught for those who have not found this definitive view. Developing such an understanding, they repudiate the teaching in many ways with this concept, misconception with regards to all conceptual fault, thought as faulty. In this sense, they resemble the Chinese abbot, Hashang. Therefore, they find the view that things lack intrinsic nature. Uh, therefore, before they find the view that things lack intrinsic nature, it is impossible for them to distinguish between mere existence and existence by way of its intrinsic character. This is because, as indicated in the passage from Chandrakirti's commentary on the 400 stanzas cited above, they think that anything that exists must exist essentially. As a result of this, they take everything that lacks intrinsic nature to be non-existent, making it impossible for them to posit cause and effect uh, for, for that which is empty of intrinsic nature. There are many who argue in this way. So it's stating that once um, there are some practitioners who believe that all, and this is the Chinese abbot's view, Hashan, that any conceptual thought is negative because conceptual thought is the opposite of the goal. Um, so that they would believe that even engaging in virtuous activities um, would not necessarily um, be something that leads to enlightenment because those virtuous activities were um, conceptual. The only virtuous activity really is emptying the mind of all conceptual thought. Um, so there are some practitioners who believe that once they find uh, what the view of emptiness or what emptiness means out, that all of the other practices are worth, aren't worthwhile and haven't been leading them to Buddhahood and can't lead them to Buddhahood. The only thing that can is this idea of non-conceptuality. So um, this is the view that's being negated here. Um, Lama Tsongkhapa is saying, no, that's, first of all, that's not the correct view of emptiness and the correct way to meditate on it. Um, A, and B, these other virtues are necessary in order to become enlightened. 
Um, <clears throat> Those who have developed in their mind strings a view that knows the absence of intrinsic nature may apprehend things as existing in all three ways. When that view has been developed, and while its influence has not diminished, the conception of true existence that believes that things exist, essentially exist is temporarily absent. This lasts as long as they are ra uh, rationally analyzing something so as to determine whether it exists essentially. However, this does not mean that they do not have an innate conception of true existence. Therefore, even those who have developed the view that knows the absence of essential or intrinsic nature and who have not let the view degrade do not always apprehend a seedling as existing like an illusion whenever they apprehend a seedling as existing. Why? If they did, it would lead to the absurdity that there would never again develop a manifest form of the conception of true existence with regard to those seedlings and such. There are Madhyamikas, Madhyamikas, uh, Madhyamikas uh, such as the Master Baba Vega, who accept that conventionally phenomena have essential or intrinsic character. The conventional existence of essential or intrinsic character is their reason for accepting autonomous reasons in their own system. Whether one posits autonomous reasons in one's own system finally depends upon what one posits as the extremely subtle object of refutation. Therefore, in their Svatantrika system, unimpaired sensory perceptions to which essential or intrinsic nature appears are conventionally non-mistaken with respect to their appearing objects. The conceptual consciousness that conceives of a subject such as a seedling as having that kind of nature is also non-mistaken with respect to its conceived object. Otherwise, if they accepted that those consciousnesses are mistaken, then what valid cognition would establish the elements of a syllogism as appearing in common for both parties, both for both their system and that of the essentialists? If the sensory perceptions to which essential nature appears uh, to if, uh, appears establish the elements of a syllogism for the essentialists even though, as Chandrakirti holds, there is no intrinsic nature such as the essential character that appears, then how can one use an autonomous reason? For one would have already proven the absence of intrinsic nature to the essentialist while establishing the subject. Opponent, let the essentialist opponents establish the subject, etc., as they may. It is not necessarily for the subject, etc., to be established as common in both, as appearing in common to both the, uh, the Madhyamikas and to them. Reply. But that is something that Baba Vega himself does not accept, nor is it correct for him to do so. For if he did, it would entail that all probative reasons and syllogisms are offered simply in terms of what the other party accepts, and that would make him a follower of the Prasangikas. There are, there are Yogacara Svatantrika masters, such as Shandarashita, who assert that external objects do not exist conventionally. However, like those Chittamantrans who are Satyakaravadin, they assert that blue and such conventionally exist in the substance of consciousness. Therefore, since the sensory consciousnesses to which blue, etc., appear to have a view of them, apprehending them as existing by way of their character, intrinsic character, 
Chandrashita and others do not consider the sensory consciousnesses mistaken in the, their view of blue uh, itself. Let me see where we are here. Itself, 707. Perfect. Okay. When hidden objects such as the eye are posited as the subjects of a syllogism, perception cannot explicitly establish them. Still, if we work back to the fundamental establishing agent, we must arrive at a perception. This is a belief of all Buddhist philosophical schools. Why? Because inference is like a blind person who is guided by perception. So Shandarashita and his followers accept that even in the case of the hidden phenom hidden things, the fundamental establishing agent is, in the end, perception. At that point, they believe that the fundamental perception is either a non-mistaken cognition of something else or a non-mistaken autocognition. Also, as I have already explained, they believe that an object that exists by way of its Intrinsic character does not appear and must objectively exist as it appears. This being the case, there can be no non-mistaken perception that establishes anything as appearing in common to both to them and to Madhyamikas, who maintain that there is no essential or intrinsic nature. Even in the case of objects that cannot be traced back to perception, it is still possible to reply. The proponents of intrinsic nature claim that Valid cognitions establish all objects, compounded and non-compounded. What do they mean by this? It is, ne is it necessary for those valid cognitions to establish objects as whose ontological nature is to exist objectively? If so, then since reason can refute them, they cannot be valid cognitions to establish their objects. Digson Rinpoche. That's she Dale the 
Kona Kona yedi dada Dada Dijin şeba Dijin şeba Son bir şey o Kedi Kante Kante Dijin şeba Çeke do Son batana Dijin de Buna Nyangalen de ba Şeşava 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 Jino Şeşava Şeşava Jinci Köbe Rujindala Köbe Rujindala Çöce Tensecan Döndüğün Döba Kanyi Dijin Şebe Dijin Şebe Kuzudu Çeke Sonbe Şeram Önde Döndüğün Döndüğün Sonbe Şer Kese Döndüğün Kese Kuzudun Rala Tense Tense Döndüğün Marubi Şeroy Şeydam Döndüğün Döndüğün ดูบ่ใช่ป่ะนี่นี่ล่ะนี่นี่มาดูบ่ใช่ตั้งสิมาดูบ่ตั้งสิมาดูบ่ตั้งยี่ดังเกี่ยวตั้งยินตั้งย
ਤੇ ਦਮਾਤਾ ਤੋ ਜੋ ਦੇ ਸੰਭੇ ਸੋ ਤਤਨ ਤਤਨਾ
seven ten. Where did we leave off? Two sixty-two. Okay. Second one from this Okay. Let me go there. Okay. Demonstrating that the reason also is not established. Chandrakirti's clear words indicates this in the passage that states, the same method that was used to show the position is defective insofar as its basis is not established should be used to show the defect that the reason, because it exists, is not established. Previously, Chandrakirti explained that because there is no valid cognition that establishes a commonly appearing subject for the systems of both parties, the proponents and the proponents of emptiness of essential or uh, intrinsic existence, the thesis or probundum, which combines the autonomous argument's subject, visible form, which is its predicate, is not produced from itself, also does not exist. On this account, the reason, because it exists, also is not established. For there is no valid cognition that can attest to its being established as appearing in common to both parties. You should understand this on the basis of what has been explained above. At this point, clear word states, this is so for the logician Baba Vega himself accepts implicitly the points we have just made. How so? Another party offers him this proof. The causes that serve to bring about the internal sensory faculties and such are existence without qualification. This is the case because the Tathagata said they are. Or for whatever the Tathagata has said is accurate, as in the case of his teaching that nirvana is peace, Baba Vega replies, what do you believe the import of the reason to be? It is that such case that such causes exist because the Tathagata has said in terms of the conventional or is it because he has said so in terms of the ultimate? If it is true because he said this in terms of the conventional, the import of the reason would not be established for you. If you take it that the Buddha made this statement in terms of the ultimate, since neither the probundum nor what proves it are established in terms of the ultimate, the reason would not be established and would be, in fact, contradict the thesis. This is how Baba Vega states the fault in that proof. Since it is through such considerations that he asserts that the reason is not established, the reason and so forth are not established for him in any argument that posits a re reified thing as the reason. Hence, all probative arguments would fall apart. Some Tibetans who consider themselves followers of Chandrakirti interpret this passage in the following way. Baba Vega's Blaze of Reasons and others' Sandarashita texts put forward uh, the following syllogism. Subject earth is not, the predicate is not ultimately of the nature of solidity. Reason, because it is an, an element. Example, like the wind. They say that Chandrakirti refutes this approach as follows. If you posit because it is an element, ultimately, as a reason, then it is not established for us. If you posit because it is an element conventionally as the reason, then it is not established for the opponent, the essentialist. If this argument does not induce you to accept that your own reason is not established, then you contradict your belief that a reason that a reason that is not established from either of those two points of view, conventionally and ultimately, must be a reason that is not established. 
And there are those who say that Baba Vega is refuted because when he states just being an element as the reason without any specification, reason, knowledge does not establish it. But Chandrakirti's refutation of Baba Vega does not proceed in this way. This is not at all the purport of the clear words, nor does Baba Vega accept any such thing. Hence, these individuals misrepresent both systems. Well then, how is this passage to be interpreted? In the passage that states for this logician himself, accepts implicitly the points we have just made. The phrase, the points we have just made, refers to previously explained method for showing that the subject is not established, also to the application of the method to the reason for the text states, this is not immediately preceding, pa- is not the immediate, in this in the immediately preceding passage. This is, this being the case, it, sh- it follows that the valid cognitions, such as perceptions that establish the subject and reason, are inevitably either mistaken or non-mistaken. If you can posit an object found by a mistaken consciousness as the reason or as an other part of the syllogism, then it will not be established for the essentialist. If you posit an object found by a non-mistaken consciousness in that role, our own valid cognition will not establish it. Therefore, autonomous reasons and, and subjects are to be are not established. This is not. This is what we explained above, and it is the meaning of Chandrakirti's phrase, the points we have just made. Baba Vega himself asserts that this kind of analysis leads to positing that a syllogism's reason is not established. To show how Baba Vega asserts this, Chandrakirti cites Baba Vega's analysis in terms of the two truths, conventional and ultimate, of his opponent's reason. Because the Tathagata said so, contrary to the interpretations proposed above, that analysis is not at all meant as an analysis of whether the stated reason is because the Tathagata has said has said so conventionally or because the Tathagata has said so ultimately. Why, as explained above, it is Baba Vega's position that you must proposit the subject without qualifying it as either real or unreal. Just as Baba Vega accepts that the subjects in which qualification would not be established for one of the other one or the other of the parties, he likewise accepts that such is the case for the reason and example and so forth. Therefore, if Baba Vega had faulted the essentialist reason by applying qualifications such as the conventionally, as the conventionally and ultimately, his argument would be a gross self-contradiction. How could this consummate scholar consummate? consummate scholar makes such an error. Therefore, the correct interpretation of Baba Vega's argument is as follows. Which of the two truths is the referent of the reason? Because the Tathagata said so, if it is the conventional one, it is not established for you, the essentialist, since you do not accept that the reason refers to a conventional object. And if it is the ultimate, it is not established for me, since I refute the ultimate production of an effect from a cause that is existent, non-existent, or both as well as production that is causeless. Since neither party accepts that there is an object that neither of the two truths, there is an... Since neither party accepts that there is an object that is neither of the two truths, it is not necessary for Baba Vega to clear that up. You may interpret Baba Vega's questions to his opponent as, when you say because it is an element, which of the two truths is the element that is posited as the reason, this interpretation is correct, in that is just like what we have explained above. However, if you claim that 
Baba Vega is asking in terms of which of the two truths ultimately or conventionally is the element stated as the reason, then you completely misunderstand the position of the opponent of the clear words, that is Baba Vega. If that is what Baba Vega meant, then what could he say to his opponent? Of the two truths, which is it? If the ultimate, then it is not established for us, and yet if conventional is not established for the other party. If it were possible to claim that Baba Vega's analysis refers to things existing ultimately and conventionally, then since the internal sensory sources that he posits as the subject in his syllogism refuting ultimate production exist conventionally, that subject would not be established for those essentialist proponents. Well then... How can Chandrakirti claim that Baba Vega accepts the points we have just made? Though, through his use of the two truths to analyze the reason given by the essentialist. I shall explain. Here Chandrakirti is of the opinion that what is found by a non-mistaken consciousness is the ultimate and what is found by a mistaken consciousness is the conventional. This being the case, the question, which of the two truths is it, is conceived of a question regarding which of the two consciousnesses it is, it is that finds the reason. It has, to, it has to be one of these two options. For if the object stated a reason is neither the conventional nor the ultimate, then that reason cannot be established. Also, if the object stated as a reason is not an object found by neither a non-mistaken or a mistaken consciousness, then the object stated as a reason cannot be established, in that the reasons are parallel. Chandrakirti states that Baba Vega himself accepts this, that Baba Vega himself accepts that his reason, because of existing, is not established, but he does not say that Baba Vega accepts this implicit, explicitly. That is why Chandrakirti, in his clear words, specifies reified thing when he states in an argument that posits a reified thing as reason. The Master Baba Vega believes that of the reasons he posits, some are directly established by non-mistaken perception, while others are not, but are proofs that finally derive from non-mistaken perception. The Master Chandrakirti refutes this to prove that it is incorrect to accept objects that exist by way of their own intrinsic character, the earlier citation from the clear words. My Dumikas do not accept others' positions. Quotes, passages such as the refutation of objections, uh, stanza that begins if perception and so forth, by drawing from such citations the conclusion that there are no valid cognitions that perceive intrinsic nature, character, Chandrakirti aims to prove this point to the partisans of Master Baba Vega's system. So Chandrakirti and Baba Vega are both uh, Nalanda scholars and they had a debate. They disagreed with each other. Chandrakirti, as a translator's note, holds the ultimately true view, holds the higher view, uh, but he and Baba Vega went back and forth and Baba Vega believed that Chandrakirti was um, stating a kind of a nihilistic view. Okay, so now we're going to have some time for questions and answers to those questions. Yes. We'll do a few questions and then we'll conclude. Uh, Coleman. Um, so I just wanted to ask Rinpoche, um, is it fine when um, reciting mantras just to use the uh, order that's in the Blue page of the book. Okay. Rimache, the Kon Nyamlen Triwa. 
con de zonga dana, de zonga gariena yakshu, de ngatsu becha zonga de tambo shachatupa, nipa de guru rimbache. De rimbo, rimbo keo mare. De contriwa. De tambo, nipa, sumba, jipa, de zonga dana. De rimbo ke chempudu, shachatupa zonga tambo. De, de, de guru rimbache nipa, lama tapa <coughs> sumba. De, de tambo nipa sumba ke chempudu e. Gariena digsun. To guru ponijin te jumbudis. Mm. <laughs> Tambo Mela, then a Chen Lesso. So it is um it's good to re- to recite the mantras that are on this page. So starting there. But the order in which they are on this page um is in some cases an order. So if we look at the first three, we have first B- Buddha then Padmasambhava came, and then Lama Tsongkhapa came. Um, so there is an order that we see in the first three mantras that are on the page. Um, uh, um, and each of the mantras have various things that um, they help the practitioner abandon because those deities have particular affinities. Um, so um, you're able to get rid of abandonments, a variety of abandonments, by doing a variety of mantra recitation. So, but the order here isn't important. It's just the matter of doing the mantras. Then, um, the kon the the drawa yuna, the dupa yuna, the zonga chi, the wang yuna, zonga chi kona the nyamlenche yapudue. Gangisena the chikshena the the zonga ju yure, the chikshena kon wang chik yure, the kanga dang. The Wang Yuna Dang Moa Moa Gariyakshu. Okay, and it doesn't. I was asking if um, you say there's ten mantras here and you have an initiation for one and not the others. Rinpoche said that um, it doesn't matter in this particular case. Just recite whatever you feel connected to. But by doing all of them, you have you have more of uh, um, abandoning factors being presented. Right. It's like different. Yeah, I understand. So, so for example, I just wouldn't choose one mantra and just focus on that one. I should include all of them in order to abandon multiple like the Gariyakshu Kongichiwa, the Zonga Chik Tse Chik Lobjungshe, the Hlai Gom La Chik Gom. The yakshu kanga the kanga lojung she yakshu. That's so 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 do about is do about. it's really the individuals. There isn't an answer that can be given to everyone. Um in that case, um there are some who would choose one root deity and use that mantra and only the rest of their life recite that mantra and and focus on that deity. 
there are others who um, it's beneficial to have a variety of them. Um, so it really depends on the individual, Rinpoche is saying. Um, yeah. Because just as a translator's note, um, a lot of the Tantra stuff that we're doing, we're not capable of really doing because we don't have bodhicitta yet. We aren't bodhisattvas. Tantra is a practice that's the resultant vehicle that is a result of the perfection of wisdom practices in a sense. It's, the, it's resultant because you're using the result as the path, but it's also resultant because it is dependent upon these prior practices. So it's arguable, it, one could argue, that even if everyone in this room has attended every single initiation that there ever was, if there's no one in this room that's a bodhisattva, there's no one in this room that's really even entered a mandala. So that means that we've got the imprints, we're playing with this so that in the future, when we are bodhisattvas, or I can say when I'm a bodhisattva, everyone here may be a bodhisattva but me, I don't know. But in the future, when I am a bodhisattva, I will have these imprints connected to these different mantras so that I'll be able to quickly be connected to them without having to really search very hard because today I recited the mantras before I was a bodhisattva. So it left imprints so when I am, it's that much quicker for it to occur. That's where my, uh, my question slash anxiety was because if you want to establish connections, the more you practice, the more likely chance you'll have more connections. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So, so it's different for everybody. Yeah. So if someone in here is already a bodhisattva, then the information that they're going to be given or the, the advice that a bodhisattva would be given is different advice than someone like myself would be given. So, so someone like myself maybe needs to just connect to all the mantras. Right. I'm nowhere near ready to practice. Yeah. I just need to connect. So my teacher might say, just do all the mantras. Mm -hmm. Do as many different kinds of mantras as you can yeah. over and over and over and over again. Uh. Even if you don't know the meaning, because right. that creates karmic connection. Okay. Everybody's different. So I, I could just pick my favorite ones. Rimache said, uh, to, he just said, read them in the order. It's good because it abandons oh, okay. a variety of things. Okay. That's, that was that's his initial almost, answer. Okay. But then when you asked more detailed, yeah. just focusking on one, and yeah. I asked him more detailed, also that's possible. when he said it's an individual's. I think you actually told the story once of this old guy that was uh, meditating on an island or something, and he was saying the mantra wrong, but then he told someone that, and he's like, oh, you're still getting the merit even from... I don't know, you told me that story. It's kind of like that. Yeah, there's a story of a man who is reciting a mantra. Well, there's a couple different stories. There's one story of a man who is reciting the mantra incorrectly, but because of his faith, he was getting the right karma. There's another of a uh, um, man who was reciting the White Umbrella de Deity's mantra and so much that it had a, he had formed an umbrella over the top of his head. And then someone came to him and told him that he was doing it wrong. And then when he started to do it right, the umbrella disappeared because his faith wasn't there. All right, thank, thank you. So, doing it right means doing it with faith. Oh, well, there's two mics. Okay, then one, two. Yeah. So, um, I tried watching a couple of 
uh, videos on the uh, Tibetan logic, Tibetan syllogism stuff, and uh, I'm, I'm sort of having a little bit of trouble with this uh, verse pervasion. I think it doesn't help that the people who do it don't have translators, so they're Tibetans who don't have... And reverse pervasion, this is really complicated stuff. But That's why we're doing just the transmission have, of it. Uh, well, like, I, if without, a, without studying debate extensively, like, we could do a whole class on reverse pervasion, and no one would understand any of it. Um, that, um, but I'll, I'll to try to help you with that question for sure. So, but it's complicated to me maybe, translating. Yeah, maybe, so maybe I'm thinking. I thought it was the same. You talk about reverse pervasion, but he talk, the guys talk about that. Like you take a syllogism. Like if there's smoke, then there is fire. Or something like you. Like the the forward pervasion would just be, you know, if there, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire. And then the, the reverse pervasion is if there's no smoke, then there's no fire. It, I think. But that doesn't make sense for a lot of uh, syllogism because if you say, if you say there, if it's raining, then there are clouds over our heads. That's true. There has to be clouds for it to be raining. But if you say it's not raining, then there are no clouds over our heads. That's not true. So because there, it could just be a normal. Well, cloud that's over. not necessarily. That's not a pervasion. Then, oh. then that's not a pervasion. Like you know what I mean. Then that's not a correct pervasion. Like, it has to pervade. In order for it to be a correct pervasion, it has to reverse and so forward pervade. So that means, like, in order for... So, if, so the statement, if the... If that's not a correct sign, basically. Right, that's, saying, so that's not a Because correct. it's raining, there are clouds, so it's raining. That's not a correct sign, because there could be clouds and no rain. There could be, uh, there could be yeah. rain without clouds. There could be all of that. So it's not... That's let's not a say, correct sign to I use. I mean, let's say, though, this, I mean, it's accurate to say... I am a man, therefore I am mortal. But it's not accurate to say I'm not a man, therefore that I'm doesn't not pervade it. All mortals aren't men. That's that's doing that's looking at it but from the still, first yeah. part incorrectly. That's not a correct sign. Right. So you're not using something that's a correct sign. So, no, right, it so. has to pervade both ways. It Does has that to mean be that if I were like trying to argue with something, and I said that I was a mortal. That wouldn't be like like if I were just trying to. Like in a debate of like at the back. You're not a mortal, so I don't. No, a mortal. A mortal. Yes. Yeah, so if, if you, I if impermanent. I was in a like a Tibetan debate at like one of the uh, the schools, you know, in like Dharmasala or somewhere, the correct. And I said that I was a mortal. Would that not be considered a correct statement because it doesn't have the reverse pervasion? Then. What do you mean? You are a mortal. Yeah, I well, think you're. The, when in order for it to prove something, yeah. you would say the subject you yeah. are a mortal. Because you're impermanent. All right. Yeah, so I couldn't just... All right. All right, and then the reverse... So, the, so, in so order if you have permanence, yeah. you don't have mortal. Yeah. All right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just saying that, like... So, and, so any time a statement... So any time you do that contrapositive thing where you flip both sides of the statement, if it ends up being wrong, then in the Tibetan system of logic, that it, it's considered that the original statement... It does not have uh, the three. The, yeah, the valid cognate. The, the I, can't, I can't remember the word you guys. It's like Rimache, the sum, the core sum, the kongichiwa, the the kadok chuchen, the the marpo chuchen, kadok yimbetel, duturoa yimbechir. Then the sum garre. Chuchen. Selwa dak. You make the the core sum. Then the, uh, I gotta find my logic book. Um, what page is that on again? I'm gonna get it's the. It's on four thirteen, note number four seventy 
413. Now I need the Tibetan text, but oh, yeah. where it is in the Tibetan, I need to read it to Rinpoche in Tibetan. One of the right, but that's what I, I get it. Four seventy three. Can I need the the original text part? If someone can find me that, then I can bring it back. The original text. Uh, I'll What's that footnoting? He just made like a quick. He just made like a real quick reference to the three per or the uh, three criteria. It wasn't like yeah, the, the question that. came more from the footnote. Yeah, I understand that, but the Tibetans there's no footnotes in the Tibetan, so I need to read the section to Rinpoche and then ask him to explain that section. You know what I mean? In order for him. Cognitions yeah. that establish the three criteria. Sorry, 259. Okay. The sentence actually starts at the bottom of 258 and then oh, goes yeah, to the top yeah, of 259. Yeah, yeah. So since there are no valid cognitions that establish the three criteria. 703. It's right at the last part of the last Ranshin Yobar Moa Mawa. Ranshin Mawa did a constant Gelni Chuten Dan Daki Tsulsum. Chuten Dan Dak Tsulsum. The Tsulsum, Rinpoche. Tsulsum. He's giving it in too basic a sense, so it's not going to satisfy. I don't have my signs and reasoning book with me that has all this stuff, so just bear with me. Rimache, did Susum the 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 NGK the the Sum Mena then the Dayanda Yomare. Then the this Sum Mena. Then Tambo the the Da Da Yuna the Kadok Yuna Duturua Yu. Duturua Mena Kadok Me. The this Sum Gare. 
Chapcha dan Jucha. Kishila, good susun. The Chuchen Sewa Dak, the Yapo Yuna, Sumgu. Da Sumgu. Dayan Da Sumgu. The Korsungu. There. They don't agree. They don't. They. They. Chu chu. They chu sun. They. They got. They don't agree. Chu ji. So a thousand. Less so. What? Chu ji is that. Not that chu ji. Chu ji is what? That matabar is. Matabar is where is it? And just like this. Shiva in basis. What the double double matter? You know, the, yeah, he's just doing it basically. He's saying that there's a subject, a predicate, and a reason, and that the subject is, there's a statement about the subject that the reason has to always pervade. So the reason for, for giving, the reason has to prove the statement and always prove the statement. So it, in order for it to be a good reason, it, it has to always prove it. Um, so in, for instance, uh, um, the subject yellow cloth uh, the subject yellow cloth is yellow because it's suitable to be shown as hue so that's not a correct sign it is suitable to be shown as hue it's a color but all colors aren't yellow so the reason that you've used if you look at it forward it doesn't work backwards because different kind of correct like it it doesn't mean just because a statement doesn't pass the three criteria doesn't mean that it's not a correct statement so like, you'd have to give me examples well, of like, it i mean you just you know but that's like, not like the really one i said you know the, the one if, if i am a man then i am mortal is a true statement it passes the first two criteria if i understand it correct because it's related and it has the forward provision, I, I think, if I, I might not understand these all. And the problem with that, yeah. like, I am a man because I'm mortal. Buddha Shakyamuni was a man and isn't mortal. So even that does it, like, doesn't always match the muster. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, so you have to look at, is the reason that you're giving always 100% true or not? And if it's not, then it's a weak reason. I, still, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I feel like there are things that are 100% true, that, that are like statements that could be true 100% of the time, but don't pass that reverse pervasion. That, you know, I, I wish I could come up with an example off the top of my head right now. Yeah, in order for something to pervade, it, it says that if A is there, B is there. If A is, if, if A is, if B is not there, A is not there. If it's, there's eight doors of pervasion that you look at, if, if A is there, if, if it is A, it's B. If it's B, it's A. If you have A, you have B. If you, if you have B, you have A. If you don't have A, you don't have B. If you don't have B, you don't have A. And uh, so anyway, there's so I eight guess of like, those. Like pervasion is just like a, like a special, like, like in order for something to be true, it doesn't have to pervade. But pervasion is like a special kind of truth. Huh. It defines it, yeah. It defines it. It qualifies it as something or as not something. Like how how do you know that something is a definition of something? Like you have a definition and then you have a definiendum. So you couldn't say the definition of car is something that is sweet to eat. 
because something that is sweet to eat isn't car. That, that definition doesn't match that definiendum. So you have to find out what, which definition is the exact definition to meet that definiendum. And then that definition is what you're using as your basis for all of the rest of this. So you're using, you have to know what each thing is defined as, and then you use that definition to know what it would pervade or wouldn't pervade, or what pervades it and wouldn't pervade it. You know what I mean? Rinpoche's not going to go into, I've tried, and Geshe-la even said the three words of the three types. He's not going to get into it today. Um, I don't know why, but um, maybe another time, or if we have more of us class specifically about that, um, he would. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, you did it. But with forward and reverse pervasion, though? Everything. Okay. We, we, we explained it in every possible configuration, and then ended up with a rabbit hole. Oh, I see. The three you permutations and four permutations. It's archive for posterity. Okay. Stash? Forward pervasion. This is driving me crazy. Yeah. Jeff explained it all. Yeah, it's a, we taped it. We taped it. With nobody on the website. Well, the problem, sometimes you have there's a bunch of stuff you haven't updated on the website. One day when there was no class, we recorded it. But he has a 10 minute video. That's the one we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, I watched it. I was still confused. It's called what, oh, what pervades what. Yeah. Watch it and say it. Just watch it. Yeah, I, I watched what, it. What pervades <laughs> what. Uh, That's what I was saying. I watched it. Yeah, so we went confused. over it twice. Yeah. He, we actually did it and we redid it again to make it even more transparent. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> Stash? Jeff for translating. Um, in the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, um, stanza 54, it says, um, just as wisdom does not see an inherent nature and phenomena, having analyzed wisdom itself by reasoning, non-conceptually meditate on that. Can you explain how to non-conceptually meditate, please? It seems like it's... Hold on. What stanza is it? 54. Let me just get the text up. 54, just as wisdom does not see an inherent nature in phenomena. 64, 5, 60, 59, 58, 57, 56, 57. The Shanchup Gangi Rangshin Sherab deni zrikshepa nanto mepar degom ja. The nampar do gom kandre. Does it, does it? Does it, 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 so this non-conceptual meditation is a goal. And not, this is um, stating to meditate <coughs> on the lack of inherent existence of phenomena and to get rid of the grasping at 
phenomena as being truly established or as being intrinsically existent. Um, one does that over and over again until he or she has a direct valid cognition of emptiness. Uh, and once that direct valid cognition of emptiness takes place, at that point one is non-conceptually meditating on in, uh, the lack of inherent nature of phenomena. So non-conceptual meditation is a, is a result that occurs from conceptual meditation. Um, the non-conceptuality um, occurs at the path of seeing, Rinpoche said. Anyone else? Oh, it's in here. I bet that, that it is. Uh, let me see. Let's go. This has a good glossary. Well, maybe it doesn't. Okay. So if we don't, we don't have any more questions. We can maybe just move, uh, do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. I want to find more information about this, but I, I just um, trying to see how, because I, I see that you're struggling with it and want to understand it. Um, Unfortunately, it's like a lot of things that, you know, it, would, it takes a lot of years. It's not just a simple explanation, but there should be something simpler than you have right now. And so let me just see here. I don't have the right books with me. Um, unfortunately, I don't think uh, to be able to attend to, attend to this properly. But just give me one. It's not going to be in here. Rimche, the Dasitang Triwa, the Kate Chempel Duke, the Conte Sem, Selpo Shamason, Gangan Sinna, the Dian Da, the Cheran, the Sum, Susun, then Tambo, Sutu, don't the Gare. Da Chu Chen, Metapa Yimba Tao, Sheba Yimbi Chair. Then there, Less so. Then Sheba, Sheba Yina, Metapa Yin Chap, J Chap. Ale, then a the da dang chuchen. Then a the da sheba yimbi chair. Sheba yimbi chair. Then then a the tambo. The druch. Shu Then eh, the the samba, 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 so in Kanzagi, Tam and Tishula, Mabani, the Napa. Tunshu, Nipa, Tunshu, Matishu, Mitunshu, 
Oh, if it's not there, it's not. Okay, so, uh, so he was saying the subject um, sound is impermanent. Um, so you have su the subject is sound, impermanent um, is the thesis, and because of the subject sound is impermanent because of being a product or becoming an, because of being an arisal. Um, so if you have the, the reverse pervasion is if there's not an arisal, then there's not, uh, there's not a sound. You know what I mean? So if there's a sound, there's an arisal. Yeah. If there's not an arisal, there's not a sound. So that would be the reverse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, it's the subject and the sign connecting. Not the not the predicate. So it's all about the subject and the sign of the subject. So I was just going, having Geshe-la try to help me with it a little bit. So we have the, the three the three types of ways. Let me go back to that. Um, four third. I'm going back to the footnotes now. So Tambo, so the presence of the reason in the subject, or it's bearing the subject, is the minor premise. Um, so that's the, the minor premise is the first. So Tambo the da chuchem mitapa yimbatel jewa yimbichir. So that would be um, the subject sound is impermanent because of it being produced. Uh, and then the second is if there is sound, there is impermanence. And then if there is not impermanence, I mean, if there is sound, there is uh, arisal. If there's not an arisal, there's not any sound. So it has to meet all those criteria in order for it to be correct. It has to first be, the, it, it has to be contained within the subject. If the subject is there, then the sign is there. If the sign's not there, the subject's not there. Does that make sense? Yeah. More sense? Yeah. Okay, all right. Just as long as it makes a little more sense, I feel better. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't leave here without a little more sense. Um, so the, but I, if you get the book, um, Signs and Reasoning, I'll, I'll bring it next week and show it to you. It'll help you a lot um, because it's got the actual text they use in the monastery in it. So you'll have the same material they're working, the kids are working with. But, you know, if you want to invest the time in it, it's going to take an investment of time um, in it. And that's just, if that's the area you want to invest in, it's just like you're building a tool, are you going to use that tool is the, the thing. You know what I mean? Like, that tool is like, like for me, when I needed it because I went and debated monks, and like, I think it's the only way to really learn this stuff. It's the best way. So if like that's the end game, then that or connecting to that, then that's a wonderful reason, because there's there's no better way to clearly understand the teachings than by use of debate, because you can just see it like oh is this really uh, liberation? Well, liberation has these characteristics. 
You know what I mean? Is this meditation really single-pointed concentration? Well, when I've studied, it says single-pointed concentration doesn't have dullness, doesn't have sleepiness. I feel like I'm in a dream. So this is a sign that it's not single-pointed concentration. So if it's dreamlike, it's necessarily not single-pointed concentration. And if you have single-pointed concentration, you don't have any dreaminess. So that's when it becomes useful, all of this stuff, to figure out if you really are practicing correctly. Yes. Like I study the Buddhist stuff now. It feels like there's a big gap between the two. I also sort of feel like learning this stuff is like sort of a bridge between the two. Yeah, because I did a lot of like formal logic, and I could see like there's some similarity between this and like Western style formal logic. But there's, there's also like a lot of differences too. So I'm sort of uh, that's why I'm just intrigued. By and it. just remember that the Eastern they've never met. You know what I mean? They yeah. don't know each other, yeah. so that they don't have to, like, they don't necessarily yeah. have to have a connection. Like, you almost have to look at it like, this is how Buddhism built its system, yeah. and, like, learn its system's rules, yeah. and not look at the, the rules of another system, because it's, those weren't around when Buddhism built this system, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there a lot of the comparative of stuff becomes very stuff. difficult, um, because the frame of reference isn't always the same. Okay, concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. Tuchena Geshela, the Pentogdu, Natsu, Tuchena Rimche. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors to traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land, surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Avogateshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Suji Rimchi, Gutsi Shapi Denronang, Atsu Lamrin Chamo Kanga Chirona, Lamrin Chamo Kanga Chirona.